0: You're listening to Sourced with Stu Finer. Okay. Thank you again for joining us with Sourced with your source, Stu Finer. I appreciate the listen. I appreciate the respect and your time. I know how competitive my industry is for podcasts. Everybody and their mother has a podcast, but pretty much 90% of that, it's fucking useless and you're disappointed. And I pray always that listening to me, you will not be disappointed and it will not be useless. It will be entertaining. It will be fun and it will be informative. So we're going to get directly to it, and I have two epic stories, or at least I think they're fucking epic, um, about our president, uh, Donald Trump. First of all, I knew Donald when he was epic, epic, epic. Um, There was no one better than Donald Trump. He was the ultimate playboy. He was the equivalent of Hugh Hefner. He was equivalent to a movie star. He got everybody in bed. That motherfucker must have fucked my God. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to guess. Will Chamberlain fucked 10,000 women. I'd say Donald Trump fucked 3,000 women. He was fucking two a day, three a day at his casino. There is no one at the time that said no to Donald Trump. Basically because, and as you see now, I mean, he's fucking 70 years old. He's got the most confidence you ever saw in his life, right? Nobody has more confidence than Donald Trump, right? But when he was a playboy, when he was going after women, when he was on the prowl and the prey, I mean, just like you heard, grab him by the pussy. That's the fucking truth. He wouldn't ask you if, he, if you wanted him. He would just fucking grab you. And I'm talking he grabbed the best of the best, of the best. I mean, he got 10s, 11s, 12s, because remember, he had all the money in the world and Donald Trump had fucking game. He had the game. He invented the game. He had the best game. Trust me when I tell you, men wanted to be him. Women took off their motherfucking pants and said, Donnie, fuck me. Now, I do not know if Donald Trump eats ass. Highly doubt it. I do not know if Donald Trump even licks clit or ever licked a vagina in his motherfucking life. But I would bet that Donald has got over 20,000 blowjobs. That's my over-under, 20,000. And I'm going over! I'm going fucking over for everything I own in the world. And I would say he fucked well over 2,000 women. My over-under is 2,000, and I'm going over that, too, in a heartbeat. And Donald, first of all, always dressed impeccable. He dressed like a multimillionaire because the fucking guy was. He dressed like a billionaire because his father was. So he had all the props. He had the planes, He owned casinos. His father's name was on every motherfucking building in Brooklyn. And then he started to blow it out into Manhattan. And his father's name became his name because he took over the entire motherfucking empire. And when I'm talking an empire, I'm talking an empire. When you own buildings in New York City, When you own planes all over the motherfucking place, and now we're talking now in the 80s, not 2017. In the 80s, when the only people I knew had money was Donald Trump, J. Paul Getty, Howard Hughes, and Stu fucking Feiner. I'm talking real motherfucking money. And Donald had it. He knew how to spend it. He knew how to slay clit like nobody's fucking business. And he took you fucking down. If you were a woman, you had no shot. You had no shot. He wanted you, he fucked you. If he, you didn't want to fuck him, he probably raped you. I mean, there was no stopping Donald Trump, none, zero. Hey, let's look at my multi-million dollar plane. Let's look at my billion dollar casino. Let's come up to my 20,000 square foot penthouse suite that has four butlers, three elevators, and a partridge in a pear tree. Hey, listen, Mrs. Whoever, I'll buy you a Bentley. I'll buy you a Rolls Royce. I'll buy you three Rolls Royces. Because money meant nothing. It was a game. And that game was to get you in bed so he could stick his fucking cock in you and come. And truth be told, It's not spoken about because it's a lot of years ago. You're going back almost four decades. You're going back 40 years ago in his twenties and thirties. The motherfucker took down women. He took them down one at a time and there were not enough that he could not go after any gorgeous women, any gorgeous woman at all. He was on, he was looking to fuck you and he loved it. And truth be told with all the bullshit, The women loved Donald Trump. They didn't like him. They loved him. He was epic. He was the dream. He was the American dream. You think he's the American dream now at 70? Being the president? Fuck that. He was the dream when every motherfucking woman in the world were sniffing his motherfucking ass, who would kiss his feet, who would eat his ass and let them, let Donald take a shit on their fucking face. Because it was Donald motherfucking Trump. And that name was epic, epic, epic. So here's my experience with Donald Trump. Obviously, gambling became legal in Atlantic City, I'm gonna say, give or take 1976. And then the first casino that opened was resorts in 1978 and then playboy followed afterwards playboy casino followed you heftness casino i would say about 1980 81 and that was pretty much the first casino that me and my friends went to was the playboy casino because every single dealer was, was dressed in playboy outfits and all your waitresses were playboy motherfucking bunnies and they were drop-dead gorgeous. So we went there when we were young, and just to get a drink was amazing. We were like, wow, they serve free liquor. Wow. And you just felt so special in those days gambling. Because remember, gambling is not like it is now. Remember, I'm going back almost 40 years. When you gambled then, it was an event. It wasn't done online. There was no online There was nothing. So when you went, you planned your whole day around going. You went there. You had an epic time. And it was like a once in a year thing or once every six months or for some people, once in a lifetime. We made it a daily event because we were fucking psychos and we were degenerates. And I had fuck you money. I started making fuck you money as early as 1982. I was 21 years old. 21 and I was already making well over a quarter of a million dollars a year well over 20,000 a month and it was coming in like I was printing the motherfucking money and it was coming in like I had a tree in the backyard that the money was on that I just fucking picked and let me tell you something no one spent more money than me no one spent my. I spent it like I was burning it and like I was printing it. And pretty much I did. And I was. And I brought all my fucking friends with me because I never like to do something alone. I like a lot of people, as you know. I love the pomp and circumstance, as you know. The more, the merrier. And that's still the way I feel. I love to make people's dreams come true where i was making more than everybody i knew truth be told i mean everybody i knew i was making more by 21 because a lot of people never in their lives to this day in 2017 ever rolled out more than 20,000 a month like they were printing it i was doing it in 1982 at 21 years old at 21 years old and from 82 to 97 it just kept doubling it was like doubling. '82, I made a quarter of a million. '83, I made like three hundred and fifty thousand. '84, I made a half a million. '85, I made six hundred thousand. Then seven hundred thousand. '89, I made a million one. Then it went a million two, million three, million four, million five, million eight, two million four. Up until 1997, where I was worth close to seventy million dollars, taking a couple public. And the internet put me out of fucking business. And 900 number chargebacks put me out of business. But that's for another day. And that's for another story. So I want to stay on point here before I just fly. The point is, I had fuck you money. And I brought all my fucking friends with me. Because these friends had no shot of ever making money. Never. Never. They were never going to make the million dollars a year. And they never did. None of them. None of them. And my friends, my father's friends, never made the million dollars. And still to this day never did. So I brought my friends, I brought my friends' parents, I brought everybody I ever fucking met to Atlantic City. And I knew how to live. And the person that was my mentor, that was my idol, that in my head I wanted to be, three people. Howard Hughes, J. Paul Getty, but they were not really real for me. They were only like visions. They were only people I heard what they did, and they were the first two billionaires in the world. J. Paul Getty and Howard Hughes. So they were almost like a dream that I really couldn't touch. And then we had Donald motherfucking Trump. And fuck yeah, I saw him on TV. Fuck yeah, I saw his name in lights. And fuck yeah, I went to his casino and I lost all my fucking money that I made. And I was proud of it. And I loved it. And I bragged about it. And I bragged right to Donald Trump's face. So... Let me tell you how it starts. The first time and the only time in my entire life that I got arrested was by Donald Trump. Not specifically Donald Trump. He didn't put the handcuffs on me, but here's how it goes. It's 1986. It's August of 86. And it's my buddy Chris's 21st birthday now my favorite band in the world is the who and anybody that's my favorite i like to emulate i like to copy i like to make believe i am so i grew my hair out as a high school teenager and i wanted to be roger daltrey and the only thing that looked like roger daltrey with me and roger was my fucking hair my hair was as beautiful as his as long as his as curly as his And then it pretty much went downhill after that because who the fuck's Roger Daltrey? He's the best ever. He's drop-dead gorgeous. He probably fucked 30,000 fucking women. God only knows. That's Roger fucking Daltrey. And then you had Peter Townsend. And then you had John Entwistle. And then you had my fucking man, Keith motherfucking Moon. And Keith Moon as the drummer was the craziest fucking psycho that ever fucking lived. And I wanted to be him. And I took his personality on. Meaning, any hotel that I left, I fucking trashed. Any casino hotel that I was in, fucking forget about it. We left running into the car because if you saw what I did, we're getting arrested. Now, I was able to pull not getting arrested off hundreds of times. Now, I'm telling you how bad Stu was it. Well at the very beginning where they allowed windows being open in Atlantic City and I would order three four thousand dollars worth of food and liquor for six people we would throw everything out the fucking window. We'd throw trays we'd throw plates and we didn't even give a fuck if we killed people below because we never looked. Thank God I never did. Thank God but I was so irresponsible I never even looked trays, plates, lamb chops, Cristal Champagne, Dom Perignon Champagne, perrier Jouet Champagne, out the fucking window. Everything out the window. The pillows, the covers, soap dishes, towels, whatever could fit out the window and was it nailed down, went out the fucking window. That was A, and that was specifically from the exploits of me trying to emulate and be like Keith Moon. Because when he went into hotels, when he was on the road, I don't know why, but he fucking trashed him. I don't know how, but he fucking trashed him. And he continually trashed him. So much so that the Who was not allowed in most of the best hotels in the world because of Keith Moon. Because in the 70s, he fucking destroyed it. And I thought that was the greatest thing ever. I thought it showed power, power, It showed balls. It showed energy. He was now what we call electric. He was Mr. Electricity. He was motherfucking electric. Now, a lot of problems Keith Moon caused the who, personally, and privately. Now, privately, when they played, he was uncontrollable. One of the greatest drummers ever, but uncontrollable. Where Peter Townsend and Roger Daltrey in the 70s said... After he died, you know, that they never knew where he was going. He went off the songs. He went on his own. He beat it to his own motherfucking drum, so to speak. No pun intended. But that's who he was. He was Keith fucking Moon. He was iconic. There will never be another Keith Moon again. Rest his soul in hell because there's no fucking way he's in heaven. Just like there's no fucking way I'm going to heaven. Plain and simple. So when I die, the first motherfucking guy, before we start fucking all these sluts and whores in hell, which I imagine are gonna be in red outfits, look like fucking devil women, and we're just gonna fuck, the first thing I do is hug Keith Moon and then say, who we fucking, Keith? You and me right fucking now. Let's slay some fucking devil women in hell. Well, I'm sure we'll be fucking them and burning. So I'm imagining me and Keith Moon fucking women all day, twice on Sunday, while we're burning and in pain. But if I'm with Keith Moon, I'm fucking devil women. I don't give a fuck. Fucking them up their ass, fucking their mouths, skull fucking them. I'm pretty sure everything goes in hell. So I'm going to be fucking women, devil women in red outfits. That's what my vision is with Keith motherfucking Moon. But let's get back to the story. So Any hotel I went into, I fucking obliterated, I destroyed. And when I was with my wife, she was humiliated because she was my girlfriend at the time. But all my friends just knew what was happening. And the moment I ordered room service, they knew what was fucking happening. And I would always order like five, five times more than we had. You know, you had six people I ordered for 20. You had 10 people I ordered for 50. You had 30 people, forget about it. Forget about it. It took like six hours for the fucking room service to get there. They had to bring trays and trays and trays and trays. That's why in the 90s when I rock and rolled, I would always have two private butlers. I would have an elevator in my room. I had a 5,000 square foot fucking suite. All the food was downstairs downstairs and it would come up in the elevator, and then we would destroy the fucking elevator where 90% of the time I'd break the fucking elevator. And when they came to see what the hell wrong, they'd be like, Stu, why is there $2,000 worth of food on the fucking floor in the elevator? Are you crazy? And I would say, hey, come on. You gotta do something. Clean the fucking elevator. What the fuck else you gonna do? And I'd give the guy $500. i would give the guy $1,000. i would give the guy 2000 which is the reason that no one gave a fuck that I destroyed property because I had the cash in my motherfucking hand. I never walked around from 1982 to 1997 with less than 30,000 cash in my pocket. A, because I wanted to show how big my dick is and it's almost nine and a half inches to start with. So imagine a guy who's a complete fucking psycho, who should be in a mental institution, a motherfucking rubber room, with no responsibility, no accountability, and just is full-blown going 200 miles an hour straight through your motherfucking wife's fucking clitoris. That's me. So I was fucking dangerous. And the word dangerous really is a total understatement of how sick and psycho I am and I was. So, I always had the money to buy myself out of any problem I ever fucking had, ever, 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 until finally it caught up with me. So, we roll into the Trump Castle. Now, Donald's first casino uh, was the Trump Plaza, and that was drop-dead gorgeous. And I think he opened it roughly, you know, 1984, 1985. And I think it closed in like 2014, where we had a vigil, where all my buddies got together, and I'll never forget it. Since September, we smoked like three pounds of pot with 20 fucking people, and we toasted to Donald Trump, hail to the king. Hail to the motherfucking king when the Trump Plaza went down, because I destroyed more rooms at the Trump Plaza than you've ever fucking seen in your motherfucking life. I'm talking destroyed. I'm talking holes in the wall. I'm talking chairs out the window. I'm talking we broke the fucking beds. We shattered all the glass in the fucking bathrooms, in the showers. We used to bring bats to destroy everything. And then also, then my friends got a big set of balls because of me. I would start off, and then I'd say, guys, finish. And it was scary. And a lot of times, we wore goggles because the glass would shatter everywhere. And one of my buddies, which I'm not going to name his name, and he really ended up being a scumbag because he tried to sue me until we beat his fucking head so fucking bad where he didn't worry about his glass that was in his fucking eye. He worried about if he was going to die, and thank God he did it. But again... For another day, that's another story. I'm not proud of anything I'm telling you. That's why I would say this day and age, never get married and never have kids because God forbid you have a fucking jerk off like me, you got real fucking problems. You got problems. You have some psycho fucking lunatic maniac who thinks the world is his oyster and I can do whatever the fuck I want to do and I can buy my way out of anything. That's Stu fucking Fyter in the 80s. Stu fighter in the 70s and Stu Fighter in the fucking 90s. That's me. Not anymore, obviously, because I'm 56 and I'm sort of an adult and I'm trying to self-actualize into a real human being, but it's taken 56 fucking years to do it. So when you ran with me, anything was possible. It was scary. So we used to wear goggles because one of my buddies almost lost his fucking eye because we started shattering shit. Piece eye went in his glass, glass went in his eye. He called the cops. His father wanted to assume. It was a whole fucking to-do. It was a whole to-do. It was like seven sit-downs. It's for another day. I'll tell the story one day, I'm not telling it today. So, brings us to the Trump castle. And Dawn opened the plaza in 84, opened a castle in 85. And I love the Trump castle. Now, Donald's first wife, Ivana, first of all, she was a cunt. The worst of the worst of the worst. And I hate to say cunt because I'm such a proponent, proponent now of women women's rights. I am the number one woman's right person in the world. Men are scum. Women are goddesses. Women have been treated as bad as African-Americans, as bad as people of color. They've been treated like second-class citizens since the beginning of time. Since the beginning of fucking time. They're slaves in half of the world. And worse than that, they're made to be slaves where we try to tell them they're not in this fucking country where they are. They're treated like second-class citizens. They're treated like whores, sluts. Behind their back, people still piss on women. And it's disgusting. And I don't feel that way now. Then I didn't give a flying fuck. Then I looked at a woman like a semen receptacle, which is why I, I pitched so hard on Snapchat for these women. You get one chance. If any guy ever verbally abuses you, physically abuses you is out of control is out of line get him the fuck out of your life because i know how i was and i know how men are i know how men are to this moment men are scum and own we're scum we are scum and most men are happy being scum and that's just the fucking way it is now i'm not scum now because i'm 56 but in my 20s and my 30s and my teens I was about as scum as you can get to a woman because I thought I owned her. I thought I was God's gift to women. I had a big dick. I was great in bed after 21. Not before 21. I was probably a horrible lay. But up until one, once I learned what to do and how to do it and lick ass and eat clit and fuck properly and come two, three, four times and do a verbal game, blah, blah. You know, once I then, once after 21, when I was a great lay, there was no stopping me because I knew I was the best lay this fucking girl's gonna have. I don't give a fuck, she's a porn star because I was as good. And I'll tell you right now, if you're a great lay, you get away with murder. If you're a great lay, you get away with fucking murder. Which again, on my Snapchat, why I pitch so hard to be a great lover Because if you're a great lover, it allows you to get away with murder. And since my whole life, I didn't want to be responsible to anything I fucking did. I found a way to be irresponsible and still have a functional life. To be irresponsible and to have women still love me and covet me and call me and blah, 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 blah. One of the ways is to be a great lover. Because most men suck in bed. Most men are fucking horrible. So anyway... Let's bring us back to the story. Trump Castle, August, my friend's 21st birthday. Jump in my car, we roll over to Atlantic City and we check into the Trump Castle. Now, this specific trip was psycho, was absolutely psycho. First of all, and I don't want you to ever do this, please. It's so irresponsible. You know, like in the 70s and 80s, I don't know how and I can't really tell you how. The entire generation, everybody was fucking wasted and drove wasted. I don't know how. And if they tell you they didn't, they're fucking liars. They're liars. They don't want to tell the truth. We were fucking wasted at the wheels of cars. And I don't know how, but rarely there was a problem. Rarely anybody ever died. None of my friends ever died that I knew. We never had a problem. If we were drunk, we hit things that fucking were standing still. We never hit people. We never got in accidents. We got pulled over hundreds of times by cops. And then the cop would say, how far do you live? He would say, give me your keys. He said, he hit the keys behind the tire. He said, give me a fucking, give me, how can someone pick you up? Or how can this happen? Or just fucking sleep in the car. And that's how it rolled then. And I don't know why it was a much simpler world or maybe God, just watched over the insane more than he does now. Or maybe there's so many insane motherfucking people now that he just can't watch over everybody. So again, don't ever drive drunk. Don't ever drive wasted. I'm not bragging about it. I'm just telling it like it was. So this specific trip, which was a normal trip for us, before we even got in the car, probably snorted three eight balls between four people. So we were fucking wired. And... Then the cocaine gave you the ability to drink as much as you want, and it didn't even affect you. So let's say we drank another, I don't know, 20 beers between us, and then we smoked another three ounces of pot, and this was, let's say, over seven hours. So we get a great idea at midnight, let's roll to Atlantic City for my buddy's 21st birthday. Now, imagine this now. It's not like it is now. Imagine this. The casino closed gambling closed. The entire floor fucking closed at 4 a.m. 4 a.m. 4 a.m. So, we always had to plan how to get to Atlantic City before, let's say, 3 a.m. So, we would gamble for an hour because pretty much that's all we had to lose. I mean, whether I had with me $100 or 20000 I couldn't last more than an hour because I couldn't lose the money fast enough because if I was winning, it didn't matter. I kept doubling. And if I was losing, I kept doubling because it wasn't about the winning. It was about the rush. It was about the high. We were fucked up. We felt special. Nobody was making the money I was making. I brought my friends who were flat broke and they were going to be broke forever. And it was just fucking amazing. It was just, it was, it was, it was really magical. It was nuts. It was crazy. It was psycho, but it was magical. So anyway, so this specific night in August, we leave it like, I don't know, about midnight. And we used to try to blow every fucking toll. There's a couple of ways we did it. We either blew right through the fucking toll and broke the toll with my car, where I either had a fucking Mercedes 560 SEL, which was the best fucking Mercedes at the time you had. It was $75,000 Mercedes that I had in the 80s. Or it was the first diesel Mercedes that I had in the 84. Or it was my Corvette, which I didn't give a flying fuck about. It was, I bought that in like 82. And then I bought, right after that, I bought a Jaguar in 80s. You know, I had like a quarter of a million dollars worth of fucking cars in the 80s. Now those cars probably would be a million dollars worth of cars. But I just, I was the first person. I walked in there with cash. Then you were allowed to buy a car for cash. IRS didn't give a fuck. No one gave a fuck about cash. Cash was king. I had it in my pocket. You know, when I bought a car for 75,000, I gave the guy 75,000 cash. I gave him 2,000 go home, fuck your wife. I bought 40 fucking jackets and shirts and keychains along with the Mercedes, along with the Jaguars, along with the Prowlers, along with the Vipers, along with everything I fucking did. Everything I did was a fucking show, and it was the biggest show ever. So again, I was dangerous, I was irresponsible, and it was fucking crazy. This specific night, we get to the Trump castle, obliterated beyond belief. Now, Donnie's first wife, Ivana, tried to get involved with him fully. She started designing the casinos, and she designed the whole Trump castle like a castle. So when you walked in, everything was decked out like you're in a fucking castle, from the 1400s or the 1500s, whatever it may be. And you had castles and you had guards and you had everything all over the walls and it just looked like a castle. And the colors were castle colors, whatever that can be. And she was really fucking proud of it. And we loved it because we destroyed the Trump Plaza and we went over to the Trump Castle. So it's my buddy's birthday. Never forget it. Park the car, valet parking, And me and my three friends roll in. And always, they stood behind me. Because I'm the one giving the credit card. I'm the one paying for the room. And whatever. So at the time, we got like a thousand square foot room. Nothing epic at the time. Nothing tremendous. And it had like two double beds. And we were just going to go there for the night. And come home the next morning. Because we had to go to work. And they knew the MO. We were going to destroy this fucking room. That was the key. How bad we were going to destroy the room. So. This specific trip, I was absolutely at, you know, scale of one to 10 being dangerous, 10 the most dangerous. I was at a 20 when I drove. We blew every toll. I went like 118 miles an hour the entire way wire to wire. Let's say a normal trip takes two hours and 40 minutes from my house, two hours and 50 minutes, three hours with traffic. We did this in like almost two hours flat, which is almost impossible. It's almost impossible. You would need a fucking plane to do it in anything quicker. But I just didn't care at the time. We were obliterated. We were wired. We should have died 70 times that night, but we didn't. It was one of those nights. And it, and this night happened millions of times for everybody in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 80s, probably into the 90s. But by the time the 90s happened, I wasn't doing it no more. So my my most irresponsible, degenerate state was in the 80s. In the fucking 80s. In really the 80s. That was really... I was very dangerous. I was really fucking dangerous. If I did not get married in 1988, I would have died before 1990. If I've not been with my wife since 1978, I would have died probably in the early 80s because at least she was the linchpin to try to talk reality to me, even though I didn't listen to a word she said. But at least her vision and her voice was in my head. You're gonna die. You're a fucking douchebag. You're a fucking degenerate. You're a liar. You're a scumbag. You're a cheater. You're a whore. You're an abuser. You're a fucking male chauvinist pig. So these things that she said that were true, every one of them, every one of them. Because women tell the truth and men are scum. Women really tell the truth and men are scum. And those are the two guarantees in life. Really is. It's pathetic but it's true. And women were treated like dogs. It's disgusting even to this day, how women are treated. Women should run the earth. Men should have fucking cuffs and chains on them. And if women allow them out of a fucking jail cell or out of a cell after they feed them, then maybe that's how it should run. But it doesn't really run like that, as we know. Men run the world, and men abuse women. And they either abuse them right in front of them or they abuse them behind their back. But men hold women down, and they always have. And they always will. It's fucking gross. I pray today that it changes, but I'll be dead long before it changes because the people in charge are the men and the men are male chauvinists and the men own women and they don't give a fuck and they never will. Okay. Be that as it may, let's get back to the fucking point. So I check into the Trump castle and I pull down my pants and as I'm checking in, I'm peeing. And I pee directly against the fucking counter on the floor. I get pee all over my sneakers. I get pee all over my fucking pants. And this woman who's checking me in has no fucking idea that my cock is out. And I'm fucking peeing. Now I'm peeing on fucking three eight balls, two ounces a pot, 20 beers. So I'm going to pee for about five fucking minutes. It's my first pee. You know your first pee? You never wanna go when you're really drinking a lot because that first pee means you're fucking dead. That means, at least me, I'm peeing every 15 minutes for the rest of the fucking night, no matter what. No matter what, can't stop it. So I try to hold in that first pee until I have a bladder infection, until my eyes are yellow, until fucking my piss is coming out of my ears, then I gotta pee. So when I peed, and remember now, we're flying to Atlantic City. I had to pee before I left. We're in the car. The rule was you have to hold in your pee. And if you didn't hold in your pee, and God forbid you pee in your pants, we beat your fucking head in so fucking bad that you were almost dead. So trust me when I tell you, People learned how to hold in their pee when they were in my fucking car because I was not stopping. When I left my house in Farmingdale, we were not stopping until I skidded almost through a window at the casino we were going to. Those were the rules. That's how it went. And that's what we did hundreds of times. Not once, not ten times, not a hundred times, hundreds of times. Get to the casino, check in, Trump Castle. Whip down my pants, and I'm peeing, and I'm peeing, and I'm peeing. Now, my friends are behind me fucking dropping dead laughing because I never did this before. I mean, I've done a lot of things. Pee in the room, pee on the bed, pee out the windows, commonplace. Pee on my friends, commonplace. Friends peeing on me, commonplace. It's what happened. We were assholes. We were fun. We emulated Keith Moon. We fucking loved the Who, blah, 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 blah. So that's how it rolled. I must have peed for Five minutes. So I wasn't done peeing, so the first room they gave me was X, and then I had to upgrade the room because I wasn't done peeing, and there's just no fucking prayer of me getting out of this without her seeing what I'm doing. So I had to kept changing rooms, changing rooms, changing rooms. Finally, they gave us a room, went up to the fucking room. She didn't catch me. I immediately changed my clothes. We always brought like three changes of clothes because we knew we were getting food and ketchup and glass, and God only knows what else? If we brought knives, we cut up the beds, feather beds. We fucking destroyed the place. Concrete was on us, plaster from the walls. We ripped the walls apart. It was just, it was fucking crazy. It was Keith Moon at its finest. When I'm, like I said, when I'm in hell, fucking devil, I mean, Keith's going to say, "Finer, you did it fucking right. Finer, you did it right. And that's my like English impersonation of Keith Moon. Finer, you did it right. So that's what I'm hoping for. And that's when I know I would have made it in life. You see, a lot of people want to meet God and self-actualize. I want to meet Keith Moon. I want to stare him in the face. And I want him to say, finer, uh, you did it right. And I'm going to cry. And then we're going to fuck devil women together. And I've never crossed swords ever at orgies. And I've been to, I don't know, 200 of them. And I've been with 20 men naked and 30 girls or 21 men naked and three girls. Never crossed swords. Keith Moon I'll be on it to cross my fucking dick across your dick, motherfucker, because you had the biggest dick and the biggest set of balls I ever knew, I ever saw, and I ever wanted to be. And to this day, the reason I'm successful, the reason I'm fearless, the reason I have the biggest set of balls in stone, I am not overmatched if I met God, Jesus, Moses, Einstein, anybody, Donald Trump. It's because of Keith fucking Moon. So thank you, Keith. So finish peeing, all over myself pull up my pants we run up to the room I take a shower we change we go down to get something to eat and we only have about an hour to gamble because we got there you know close to three and I change showered now we're eating something quick and of course we destroy we start throwing food. We have food fights everywhere because it's just what we did. And then the place really wasn't stocked with security like things are now. There's no cameras. You know, people didn't have the security they do now. We were able to get away with murder. So we're throwing meatballs. We're throwing fucking bagels. We're throwing everything. And we get to the casino floor and we have like 10 minutes to gamble. And I don't know, whatever was in my pocket, I lose in like 10 minutes. I didn't ever had a prayer blackjack baccarat whatever it was table limit i lose five hands and i'm out but we didn't give a fuck and the people with me didn't give a fuck we never won and i we didn't even want to win that wasn't even the game to win the game was just to have fun be psycho destroy the room come back and tell everybody what we did and how we did it and how we got away with it okay so next morning we wake up and we are fucking hungover. In the worst fucking way possible. Like. We're, we're just so sick. You know. We're so sick that we can't throw up. You know how like. You're so sick. You're begging to God. You're begging to the porcelain toilet. You're begging to whoever you want. Even, even you're going to go to the devil. Please. I'll do anything. I'll change my ways. Allow me to throw up. And none of us could throw up. Because that's how sick we were. We were that fucking sick. We probably had alcohol poisoning drug poisoning if you could smoke too much pot we had pot poisoning it was that type of night so immediately room service i order room service Order like 2500 worth of room service and there is no way that any of us are eating any of the food i'm getting anything nothing I'm ordering, I ordered 10 orders of Eggs Benedict. I ordered 20 orders of bacon, 20 orders of hash browns. And the woman kept saying, How many is this for? I said, None of your fucking business. I'm your customer. Just fucking bring it. And then they didn't really check things. Then they just did what they were told because they were jacking up the prices on the food to such a level that the food was almost a giveaway then. They gave food away because they just wanted you to come and lose your money. And Donald was the most generous. Donald gave the greatest deals ever. You got the room for free. You got food for free. And God forbid he liked you. And God forbid he saw that you were a sucker, which of course, everyone was a sucker. There only were suckers in his place. And he knew that. He was sharp. He was smart. Listen, Donald Trump's a lot of things, but he is always the smartest guy in the room. Make no mistake about it. You might think he's a bigot. You might think he's a horrible person. You might not believe anything he says and agree with any of his values or his rules or what he's trying to do. But as far as intelligent, he might not be able to command the English language like you think. But if that guy's on your side, you want him on your side. If that guy's in the room and you need to know numbers and you need to know how much things cost and you need to know how to do things, how to build things, how to build them the cheapest, how to get around paying taxes, case in point, obviously, apropos, everybody knows that. He's the smartest guy in the fucking room. And he plays by the rules and beats the fucking rules. See, he doesn't do things illegally and fuck people. No, 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 no. He's that fucking smart. He does illegal things that are legal. He's the greatest at doing illegal shit that is legal. He finds loopholes. He is the motherfucking greatest loopholer ever. There is no one better than him. And that is the reason he's the president of the United States. That's the reason. Because he finds legal loopholes. See, you can't nail him. You rarely can nail him. He's slimy, he's fucking sharp, and he's smarter than the world will ever be because you give him a rule and he's got the best lawyers and he should have been a fucking lawyer because he is so smart at deciphering what to do, how to do it. He is the quickest thinker I've ever seen in my life. Now, he might not be the quickest articulator. He might not be able to spit the words out like Barack or like Bill Clinton, but he's smarter than Barack and Clinton times 10. He's smarter. He's street smart. He does things you can't fucking believe in speed, light speed. It's unbelievable. So anyway, he was so generous because he knew the key. Give them the food for free. Give them the best rooms for dirt cheap or give them the food for dirt cheap and they're going to come like sheep and it'll be like shooting ducks in a barrel. It'll be like fucking stealing money, stealing cash because they know that I'm going to give the most and I know they're never going to beat me. I know they're going to be drunk. They're going to be wasted. They're going to be full of food. They're going to be tired. They're going to be lethargic. And he legally drugged us. And it wasn't illegal, but it was legal. He legally got everyone fucking obliterated, whether it was... Pick your drug of choice. Liquor, cigars, giving gifts away, opulence, giving the best rooms away, sugar, carbs, in quantities. So he really anesthetized us. We were fucking smashed. Now, I didn't give a fuck. Except into the 90s where I started losing hundreds and hundreds of thousands. He got me good. But at the beginning, I didn't care. Just to be in his presence was worth it. Just to shake his fucking hand. Just for him to know my name. The first time he said, hi, Stu, welcome back. I swear to God, I probably came in my pants. I swear to God, it was probably the greatest moment of my life. And I had seven friends with me. And you know what happened when he said, hi, Stu, welcome? And they were behind me. Their mouth opened and they went, oh, oh. And that's what they fucking said. Because when Donald said your fucking name, you were in the club. Now, it was the soccer club, mind you. It was a club in reality you never wanted to be in. It was, hey, you're a sucker. You're a sheep. You're a lamb. You're a duck and I got a gun and I'm going to kill you. But I didn't give a fuck. I didn't care. I just wanted to be next to him. I wanted to smell the air he breathed. I wanted to smelt his fucking shit. If he fought it, I would have said perfume smells good because it's Donald fucking Trump. So that's another story later when he really knew my name. He didn't know my name yet. He didn't know my name. He didn't know my name until he rolled out the Taj Mahal and I'm getting to that story too. So, I destroy this fucking room that morning like you've never fucking seen. We break the walls. We break the chandeliers. We break fucking everything. And of course, all of a sudden you hear this. Like 40 minutes into our destruction. We rarely never heard that. And I'm telling you right now, we must erect 70 rooms and never heard. And you really know what that means. That means the end of the end. So security walks in. And they immediately go, what the fuck is going on here? Are you fucking kidding me? You guys are going fucking down. You guys are in trouble. You're really in trouble. And they used to have these walkie-talkies. So he immediately calls his boss. And I don't know how. I don't know why. I cannot tell you why. But the boss flies up. And listen, you know me. You see me. I'm an amazing talker. I'm an amazing charmer. I'm an, I'm like the best salesman ever. I am. Because I don't care. I'm fearless. I don't care about failure. I don't care about dying. I don't care about anything. And then times 20. So I was a better charmer then. I was a better salesman then. And I could sweep you off your feet. I could fuck your wife in front of you, steal your money, beat the fuck out of your young children, and by the time you're done with your throat, with your hand around my throat ready to kill me, you're hugging me, laughing, we drank two bottles of Johnny Walker Red, and you're investing in my business, because that's what I was able to do. That's my forte. I change the most horrific situation into the best situation. Some of my best friends were people I fucked over or I did something horrific and they became my blood because that's what I do. That's what I'm great at. I am the guy you want in the foxhole. I'm the guy that does not choke ever, ever, ever. Now listen, I'm not a great athlete. You don't want me catching the football. You don't want me up in the ninth inning unless maybe it's to bunt. I do not have that skill set. But as far as a tragic, emotional, catastrophic situation, you want me in charge because I don't blink. I don't get flustered. The worse the situation is, the calmer I am. The worse the situation is, the more people going crazy, crying, yelling, things are burning, things are blowing up. Shit is hit the fucking fan. I'm in my element. I was born to do that. I was born to be there. That's who I am. I'm that guy. I can figure it out. And I learned from Donald Trump. I learned from watching the man. I learned from studying the man. I learned learned from reading every book he ever wrote. I learned from listening to every interview he ever had. I just learned from him in the 80s and the 90s. And I attribute a lot of my success to him. Because that fucking guy taught me to be fearless, to listen to no one but yourself, to beat to your own fucking drum. Do not be like anybody else. The more they tell you no, you raise your fingers and go, fuck you. I'm doing it even harder now. The more they say you can't, I say, fuck you, I can. Not only I can, I will. Not only I will, I'll be the best in the fucking world that's ever, ever done it. And that's what he did, and that's how I raised my life. So you put together Keith Moon being a psycho, the Who's music, the radical music, fuck the establishment, fuck the world, and you want to be Donald Trump, and you want to be Jay Paul Getty, and you want to be Howard Hughes, and I was making fuck you money, selling sports, picking games, living like a rock star, even though I wasn't a rock star, living like a movie star, even though I wasn't a movie star, but in my world, in my town, in my life, in my head, I was God. So anyway, this guy walks in, and I'll tell you right now, and I bet my children's eyes on this, anybody else is getting arrested right fucking then and there. And I immediately, and they all wore their names. And Donald taught me this, and he said it to me after I lost maybe 300000 at the uh, Taj Mahal. We'll get to that in another moment. You always call the person by their name. You look at the name tag quick. And you make a quick glance as if you never saw it. And you look the motherfucker in the eye. And you scream his name three times at him. So this guy's name was Lawrence, and I'll never forget it. And I went, Lawrence, Lawrence, Lawrence. And he said, how do you know my name? I said, because it's on your fucking tag, buddy. He goes, but you didn't look at the tag. I said, what do you think? I'm Crescid. I'm Creskin. Now, at the time, Creskin was like a soothsayer. Creskin was like your best magician. Creskin could read people's minds for people who don't know Creskin is. Now, I got the guy fucking laughing. Now, if you get someone laughing, you got them. If you get someone laughing, you own them. If you get someone laughing, you can control the situation. That's why I'm so good at making people laugh because a lot of times, I am not funny, but if I can make you laugh, I become funny. So I started making the guy laugh. And again, just let me spit this out. If you can make a woman laugh, you can make a woman come. If you can't make a woman laugh, you're not making her come. You're never making her come. She's not for you. Let her go. Bye-bye. So before you ever do anything about trying to fuck a woman, try to make a laugh. If you can make a laugh, you gotta. If you can't make a laugh, that ain't happening. Next, next. Next. You could try, you could give her a billion dollars. You could fuck her all day, eat her ass lick a click. You're not making her come if you can't make her laugh. And that's a reality of life. Not taught in school, but taught to Stu Nation and taught to you right fucking now. You make them laugh. You make them come. You make them laugh. You got him. So I got this guy. I got him. And I know it in my heart, my soul, my balls, and my heart starts racing, it stops beating fast, and I now go for the kill. Now, my friends behind me are shitting in their pants, because they're almost crying, because they're going to jail, and their parents are going to kill them. Their parents are going to put them in. Then when you got in trouble, you get sent away. See, you didn't just get set in trouble and you got put in your room. You got sent away. They put you in homes. They put you in mental institutions. They put you in like rehabs because people didn't do what we did. You don't just roll into a room, 20,000 in damage, throw food everywhere, and then your parents are not going to fucking destroy you because they are. Because in the 80s and the 70s and the 60s, the worst emotion was embarrassment. People hated to be embarrassed and children never embarrassed their family. And if you embarrassed your fucking family, you were in motherfucking trouble. You were getting a beating at best. And at worst, you were getting fucking destroyed, putting a home, putting a rehab, got to go to a psychiatrist. They fucking put you in a straitjacket. Really bad shit happened. And I'm not exaggerating in the eighties. I'm really not, really not, really not, really not. Now, mind you, most people never did what I did besides, let's say, Keith Moon and Rockstars destroying rooms. But I did it on a daily basis so people knew who I was and my reputations. So anyway, so I say to Lawrence, listen, it's my friend, it's my, tw- my friend's 21st birthday. We should have died on the way here. And I told him what we did, I swear to God. I said, we snorted three eight balls. I said, we smoked two ounces of the best pot possible. It was Thai stick. It was the best pot in the fucking world. We drank at least 20 beers each. We blew every fucking toll. We, we almost killed seven people. We almost got hit by three deers. Half the, half the, half the trip, I kept turning the lights off because it was exciting, driving at 150 miles an hour with no lights. And somehow we got here. And I lost all my money immediately. And I didn't wire any money off credit cards yet. So we're leaving. And the guy literally looks at the room, sizes the situation up, And he says to the three security guards that are there, guys, get out of here. I got this. And they're pissed because they did not think I was funny. And they did not get me. And they hated me, matter of fact. And the more I spoke and the more I talked, the more they hated me. And if they had their way, literally, if they had their way, they would have killed me. They would have shot me dead and left me for the kike Jew that they really wanted to beat. Because they wanted to fucking kill me. And reluctantly, then they left. Because those days, if someone's in charge and you're under them, and they tell you once to get out of there, there's no lip. There's no mouth. You listen. You listen. And they left. But they reluctantly left. If looks could kill, when they left... They looked at no, they didn't look at the room that was destroyed. They didn't look at the windows that were broken. They didn't look like the mirrors that were trashed. They didn't see the shit that was thrown out the windows onto the fucking floor. They looked at me and they wanted to kill me. And if looks could kill, I died right then and there. Six eyes piercing through me with fucking laser vision. They left. This guy closes the door. And I swear to you, I don't know how, but he started laughing. (laughs) I remember it like it was yesterday. He started laughing. And he sat down and he talked to us and he said, you're 21, where you're from? He was from Long Island. His family was from fucking, I think, trying to think like Riverhead or way, way out east, but not like the Hamptons before then. And... We showed him my friend's license that proved it was his birthday and blah, blah. Okay. So he says, Listen, guys, just do me a favor. Next time you come, take it to resorts. <laughs> I told him we, we trashed like 30 rooms at the Trump Plaza too he goes listen that's part of our property Trump Plaza Trump Castle it's owned under the Trump name please take it to resorts please take it to Bally's just don't ever come here again now of course golden rule guy in charge letting you go yes sir yes sir yes sir. No, listen it's not sir it's Larry you said my name three times you know my fucking name it's Larry because I got the guy Guy loves us. Guy wished that he could live like us. The guy wishes he could ever drop his drawers, drop his God, and live like us. Because that was part of the lore of Stu Finer and is today, is to this fucking day. Because people never could do what I do. Never, they couldn't embarrass, do you realize how many times I embarrass myself on a daily basis? On Facebook, on Twitter, on Snapchat. Do you realize it on Instagram, coaching games, coaching sporting events, when I'm at parent teacher meetings, when I'm in any form, do you realize how many times I literally embarrass myself? I embarrass myself in a day more than most people embarrass themselves in a lifetime because people don't deal with embarrassment. Well, I do because I don't fucking care. You see, you see, I'm the guy. That literally does not give a flying fuck what anybody thinks about me because I don't care. I don't care. Because if I cared, I would never do what I do. So this guy loved me. He loved my game. He loved my balls. He loved my zest for life. He loved my ability to just wing it and go for it and do it and not give a flying fuck and never look back. Because that is also how I almost killed myself Ruined my life, lost my family, lost respect for anyone that ever had it for me. Living like this too, mind you. But not at this moment. At this moment, I own this fucking guy. So, after talking to us, hanging out with us, he walks us into the elevator. We tell him we're going to the gift shop and then we're out of here. He says, we we kiss his ass. We say, thank you so much. Thank you. We love you. Blah, blah. Okay, fine. So that's how it started. So then we go downstairs, we go outside to the boardwalk. We're hysterical laughing. We must have smoked like, I don't know, 20 bowls because we, we, we had a big bowl with us, metal bowl. And we just kept smoking and smoking and smoking. We were so stoned. So then we come in, we get something to eat and we were clean, we, didn't, we were clean. And we go to the bathroom and we're ready to go home. And all of a sudden, I see this bust of like this epic warrior soldier fighter. And it has all these like, it looked like diamonds and rubies. And, you know, I'm figuring they're fake. And again, Ivana Trump designed it, Trump Castle. So this is like the castle god. And it's from the waist up. And it's like a paper mache and I felt it and I hugged it and you know, I was fucking around with it. So of course I can't leave well enough alone. So I say to my buddies, Hey, listen, this would look great on my brother-in-law Kevin's desk. We got to fucking take it. And they're like, are you ready? Fuck get the fuck, get in the car. I'm going to go get the car, get the fucking car. I said, okay, let me just, I'm going to buy a couple of shirts for Sandy, go get the car all of you get the car, I'll be okay. So they all get the car because similar to how I listen to Larry and Larry's uh, security guards listen to him, my guys listen to me. You know what I mean? Like I really didn't have to repeat myself more than once. I really didn't. You know what I'm saying? Like I said it, I gave them an eye contact and that was it because I was the type of scumbag too that if you didn't listen to everything I said like that, you were out of my life like that too because I had 50 people that wanted to be in my group, 50 people that wanted to run with me. First of all, I'm spending tens of thousands of dollars every night. Second of all, you lived like Jesus Christ. And third of all, who wouldn't want to fucking be with me? It's a psycho situation. It's a once in a lifetime situation. Because again, my friends did not have the balls I had because no one should have. Because it was wrong. It was psycho. Like I said, it should have been dead hundreds of times. I did things that were just so irresponsible. So out of the norm. So out of control that no one even did them. Like I said, I wanted to be Keith Moon and I fucking was. But I was too fine. So they went to get the car. Okay. So now I fucking take this bust of a fucking soldier, of a warrior. And I pick it up. The minute the car is there, I run out. I say, pop the trunk. Pop the trunk. Quick. Pop the trunk. Okay. They pop the trunk. Because now it's like it's, not, it's like you just robbed the bank. And this is the getaway car. And put the thing in the trunk. It will not fit. It won't fucking fit. Open the doors. Open the doors. I'm jamming the fucking thing. Is, it will not fit in the fucking car. It will not fit. I am fucked here. Because I ran with it to the car which probably is like 30 yards. So there's no way, there's no way I'm bringing it back in. So the only shot I have is leave it, get the car and fly away, which we're about to do. Where all of a sudden is what you hear. Get the fuck, put your hands on the car. And two security cars come right up to us And they did not have guns because then security guards didn't have guns, but they flew at us and they grabbed us and they like fucking held us. And they said, what the fuck are you doing? What is this? What are you doing with this? And I'm dead here. So I have to, you know, honesty is the best policy. I said, listen. And I went through the whole story. Really fucked up. It's my friend's 21st birthday. And I tried to go through the whole thing. These guys could give a flying fuck. They're like, you're going to jail. That's Ivana's bust. She designed it. And and always on the news, after they opened the plaza, it was Ivana's touring the castle, showing all the fucking drapes. And she detailed every room to make it look like a castle. It was a fucking joke. She was a joke. And now I was the fucking joke because I am fucking dead. So... It's just a miracle. So all of a sudden, they call Larry. Because he's in charge of the whole fucking show. He comes over and he says to us, Are you guys fucking stupid? And now he's not laughing. And now he's livid. Because now I've absolutely disrespected him. Because he gave me a pass that nobody in the world should have gotten and would have gotten. But I got it. So now I'm like, he's, I'm almost in tears because he is like, he's not, he's, I'll be honest with you. He was so hurt that I made this maneuver that I so disappointed him that that he allowed me to get away with one in the room. Now this again, that literally, this is what he says to me. He literally says this, he goes, I can't believe you hurt me. Get the fuck out of here. And I was stunned. I'm like, what do you mean get the fuck out of here? He says, get the fuck out of here. I literally said to him, what do you mean get the fuck out of here? And I would never say that. The minute someone says that, I'm in the car, I'm driving. We're already through three tolls. I'm back to fucking Staten Island at 180 miles an hour. Because there was no way I thought he would say it. But the guy was so hurt. I just looked down. I was ready to get in the car. And all of a sudden, two real cop cars came. And they pulled fucking up. And Larry then told him the situation. And then my friends, I wasn't going to fucking hung them out to dry because I'm not a rat. And I would take the fucking rap because it was my rap to take. I did it. And they fucking put handcuffs on me. They put me in the fucking cop car. They leave my friends alone. My friends in the car, get in the car and follow the cop car to the precinct. We go to the fucking precinct. I've never got arrested. First of all, if you never got arrested, it's not funny. If you've never got arrested, you really lose your dick really fucking fast. At least I did because shit rolls through my head. Like I'm going to be in a jail cell. I'm going to be fucked up my ass by people that are going to be in there forever. And that was my thing. I said, I'm fucking going to die because I'm not going to let someone touch me I'm going to get in a fight. I'm going down fighting. How? What's? What am I going to do? I'm five four and 3 quarters. I haven't grown since 7th grade. Who the fuck am I beating up? Wizard of Oz? Who am I beating up? There's not midgets there. The fucking The Hobbit wasn't even written. I don't know if J.R. Tolkien even wrote the fucking Hobbit then. There's no Hobbits in jail. There's mean fucking nasty fucking people. There's killers. You're in jail then. You're fucking crazy. And I'm literally fucking panicking. Now, first of all, I told the cop I made a mistake. When I first put the handcuffs on me. Because I said, these are really hurting me. They're tight. He tightened them further. So I'm telling you right now, I am in literal fucking pain. With the handcuffs behind my back. They put me in the back of the car. And they're not nice. Like, they were not nice. I tried to try to talk. They shut me. To, they said, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Or I'll fucking take my stick and beat your fucking head in. They said shit like that. And be honest... I thought they were true. And be honest, it would have been true. So I just shut the fuck up. And my life passed before me. Like all the bad things I did in my life. Every asshole, scumbag, low life, trying to be a big shot, trying to be funny things in my life roll as I'm driving, as I'm driving, as I'm driving. And we get to the precinct. And I am just numb because I'm ready to die. Literally. I'm thinking they're going to put me in a jail. I'm going to get in a fight with the first guy that touches me. And I'm fucking going to be, get my, first get my ass kicked, A. And then B, get fucked up my ass, B. And that's, at the time, my head, that would be worse than death. And probably to this day, it's still be worse than death. But that was it. Get to the precinct. And they take the handcuffs off, thank God. Because my fucking hand, my my wrists were almost bleeding. And And right now I'm telling this story, right? And I've never told this story on tape, ever. And I've rarely told this story, to be honest with you. Rarely, cause ain't something you brag about, getting arrested, ain't something, you know, I just don't do it, you know I mean? It's just not, I brag about a lot of things. How many women I fucked, how much drugs I did, how much money I wanna lost, crazy shit where I've been, who I know, things I've seen that no one's ever seen, things I've done that no one's ever done. I've been in spots with movie stars, actors, actresses, politicians. Uh, professional players that I'm not supposed to be, orgies, crazy shit, you know? Al Goldstein shit in the 80s who won't screw magazine, meaning you hefna, you know, just psycho stuff, Ron Cheremy shit, you know, really low shit, really like holy fuck shit that I, I rarely tell this story. And right now, my wrists are hurting me thinking about how tight those handcuffs were. Because when you're in fucking handcuffs now, some people... It's okay. Some people get arrested weekly, monthly. They deal with it. They take it. They're much tougher than me. See, I'm not good with physical pain. I'm good with emotional pain. That's why I said I'm good in great spots. The more emotional the spot is, the more catastrophic, the more crazy shits going on. I'm clean. I'm straight. I'm flatline. You, I good that physical pain. I'm not good. I cannot take physical pain. So my wrists are hurting right now, telling this story. So anyway. They take the handcuffs off, they fingerprint me, and then someone comes over with a, like, almost like a, you know, like you've seen everything on TV. They grab a pad, and someone does an interview. They say, what'd you do? How'd you do it? Why'd you do it? When'd you do it? I went through the whole fucking thing. Told them everything from when I left my house, the drugs I did, what happened, what happened there the first time, What happened when we got arrested? The whole thing. And this fucking guy starts laughing. This guy starts laughing. This detective starts laughing. And he says to me, do you really believe that I'm going to believe the horse shit you just told me? I said, swear to God, it's the truth. He goes, well, I don't believe a fucking word you say. You're a great storyteller. That was one of the most entertaining things I've ever heard. I loved it. Here's what we're going to do. And he gives me 500 hours of community service. Now, I didn't know it at this time. I had to get a lawyer, come back down, and 500 hours of community service, and it was waived. It was nothing. Now, P.S., how psycho is this? The bus that I stole was worth like $15,000 because the rubies and the diamonds and everything on it, a lot of it was real. Even though a lot of it was fake, a lot of it was real because Ivana went top shelf, everything. She spent Donald's money. She must have spent like, you know, millions and millions of dollars designing this fucking thing. It looked like a castle everywhere you went, from the bathroom to every room you ate to your room you slept in to the casino floor, Everything. So I would say, you know, I could have got hit with like grand lawsuits, $15,000. It'd be the same as me stealing 15,000 cash from a house. Same exact thing. So they gave me 500 hours worth of community service. And that's how it ended up. So then what I had to do was one of the people that worked for me, um, she had a job that she dealt with children that had afflictions. And a lot of these children had like retardations. So I went... 40 hours a week for until, like, what was it, 12, 13 weeks. And I did my service out east in a classroom with children. And I fell in love with these fucking kids. And I became a much better person and a father and a parent off that experience. But that's how that ended up that's my fucking story. That's the first time I got arrested and the only time I got arrested and it was by the president of the United States, Donald Trump, or his wife or his organization. So that's my psycho story. So now, next time, the next story I'm going to tell is going to be when Donald Trump opened the Taj Mahal and when he got a divorce from Ivana And when he was seeing Marla Maples, while he was fucking around on Ivana with, he always fucked around on her. He had, you know, he was fucking seven different women a week, even though he's married to her. You know, that's what he does. That's what a lot of men with that type of money do. It's, you know, it's, you know, every, you know, half of the men in the world fuck around their wives. Three quarters fuck around their wives. You know, a lot of people have happy marriages because the fucking guy goes on vacation and does business fuck around his wife. You know, that's why they have a happy marriage. So that's why I say never get married, never trust men, all men are scum. Women own this world. Women are the best there is. And it's embarrassing that women are treated like second-class citizens, but that's the way it fucking is. But anyway, so my next podcast is going to be the story of Donald Trump and Marla Maples. And it is as good as the story I just fucking told. It's just as fucking good. And it's just as powerful and it's just as psycho. So again, I think I spoke for roughly, I don't know, about an hour. I love you. I'm very grateful for all the love that you've given me. Like I went to the Met game last night and because of Snapchat, I've blown up to be a fucking monster now. Now I'm a superstar. Really because of Barstool Sports, obviously, and Barstool ingratiating him to me and me trying to kill Larry the Goldfish And then off of that being Donald Trump picking the bracket and doing other interactions with big cat and PFT and Dave Portnoy and Rhea. And now with KFC going on KFC radio, you know, those guys made me put me back into the spotlight and I've ran with it. Now on Snapchat, I'm just flat out funny. It's about my life. I do 70, 80 snaps a day, 10 second snaps. I'm unique. I'm funny. I'm psycho. I'm out of control and it's worth watching because you ain't going to see anybody ever fucking like me again because no one can do what I do because I'm Stu Finer. you're fucking not.